I entitled my message today, Why Church? Why Church? You go to church on a Sunday? You go to church? When do you go to church? And you've heard a lot about this church. Well, church is really not a building. It's not a place. The original meaning of a church can be found in the book of Acts. It was referred to the body of believers of Jesus Christ. It's the people of God. It's not a place. Although now, just to make it convenient for everybody, instead of just meeting you know, every day like they used to, now they just meet on a Sunday. Some of them meet on a Wednesday. Church, I believe, is important. So I'm going to talk about why church. But before I do that, I'd like you to watch this video of me and my family when we help plant a church in the U.S. I thank God for the people He sent into my life. They impacted my life and discipled me. They genuinely cared for me. I am blessed. My family is blessed. They taught me the Word. It's easier to live this life knowing the Word of God. I guess now it's my turn to disciple and care for others. God called me to the full-time ministry in 2002. With the blessings that my family and I have received from God, we really want to reach out to others. Our family moved to the United States in 2007 as missionaries. We moved to Florida. I was 10 years old and I honestly didn't fully understand why we had to move until recently when I realized that God had a way bigger purpose for our entire family. Moving to the States was a big step. It meant leaving family and the very best friends I had. I wasn't sure how the kids were going to react, but I knew deep in my heart it was the call of God in our lives. When I first heard the news that we were going to move to Florida, super sad in the beginning, but years later, looking back, I could see God's hand in everything that we did. I guess there were bigger things ahead of us that I just couldn't see at the time. We are church planters and we're called to the mission field. We want to reach the families. We want to reach the next generation. We want to reach the communities, you know, the schools, the marketplace. All of these we want to reach through the local church. And how are we to do this? We will do this through life groups and discipleship groups where the Word of God is taught and we will make a difference one person at a time. I'm involved in our youth group, in life groups, and I disciple my peers. Just to be real, this generation is going through the peer pressures of drugs, alcohol, sex, and just trying to fit in. And we want to show them that there's so much more to this life than just the worldly things. Knowing what that feels like and going through that not too long ago drives me to reach out to students on the campus and particularly the young girls. I myself was discipled and through that discipleship process, I actually learned to be a better wife, a better mom, how to raise our family, how to manage money better. And that's why it compels me to disciple other women. It hasn't always been easy, but it's such an honor to get to do this with my family. We're just such a team. Like sometimes we go to church on Sundays and see a new family and I'd be like, hey Luis, you go talk to the guy, the team I got the girls. 
I get so excited when I see new faces, I just want to go meet them and reach out to them. It's just crazy to think about how God wired us all differently and gave us all different talents. For me personally, I'm able to reach out to people through sports. When I look around, I see Dad up on stage, Sophia does video and production, Bettina serving with the kids' ministry, my mom's out there running hospitality, greeting people, Luis in the back running the tech, Luis heads the setup team, and my dad leads training. It's just, it's awesome getting to serve with my family. Life group is important to us. Discipleship is important to us. Relationships are important to us. Because of you, I no longer live in fear. Because of you, I have a family. I'm able to live a life free from anxiety. My children got saved and baptized. We have a deeper relationship with Christ. Our marriage is restored. I accepted Jesus in my heart because of you. We are grateful to you, our ministry partners, for advancing God's kingdom with us. Thank you for believing in us. We thank you for partnering with us. And more than that, thank you so much for always praying for us. Thank you so much for being a part of our team. Thank you so much. We're super grateful for you. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. And we look forward to the next many years ahead with all of you. I've been a pastor for 23 years now, and God called me into the full-time ministry for a while. And it's been a, a tremendous privilege, and it's a tremendous calling. And it's just very fulfilling. But you see, I'm going to read here the Great Commission. The Great Commission tells us, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I love this. This is the Great Commission. They call it the Great Commission. I'm going to read another verse. It says, And then he told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. But let's start with my first point. The Great Commission is really not a suggestion. The Great Commission is not the great suggestion. God didn't suggest that we might do it. He actually commissioned us to do the will of His Father. To be commissioned means to confer to someone. It means to give, to bestow, to authorize, to appoint to hand out, to vow, or to extend, authorize us. So when God confers upon His people His mission, He is giving you the mandate to let the whole world know and know about Him and about the gospel. And He made this, He promised that if you do this, He'll be with you always. It's a mission given to the Christians. It's a mission given to those people who believe in Him. That is his plan to spread the good news. It's through you. It's through me. There's no plan B. Very important to know. See, there are only two family institutions that God invented and one that's the government. And all three of them were designed to bring peace and order to, you know, to whatever we're doing. The first institution he created was the family. The second institution was the church, which is also the church family. 
And because he created them, we believe this is important. And today, there's so many other institutions, and they're not bad. You know, medical institutions, the hospital, educational institutions, charitable institutions, there are government institutions, and this is very important. We need them. But why church? One is because God invented church. It wasn't invented by man. God actually said, we need to have church because this is his way of introducing Christianity to the whole world. And some people don't like church. Some people love church, maybe because they had a bad experience. But church is actually the body of Christ, okay? The body of Christ. In this verse, it says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. God intended for us to live in this particular, in, on earth, in this planet, to bear fruit. And in this particular vine, in John 15, it was talking about the vine and the branches, that he is the vine and we are the branches. And he said that if you want to bear much fruit, if you want to bear, you have to remain in him. And he said that if you bear much fruit, you are my disciples. Today, there are a lot of believers. And believers are those who believe in Jesus Christ and believe what he did on the cross, died for them. And I sincerely believe that if you believe in your heart that Christ, Christ was raised from the dead, you know, I believe you're saved. And there's a lot of believers who are saved. They're going to go to heaven. But it's not enough that we just become believers. We have to become disciples. From believer to disciple. Because a disciple is a follower of Christ. Every Christian, every believer is a minister. That's my, my second point. If you are a Christian, God expects of us to be ministers, to be priests. In this verse, it says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are chosen. Do you know that you are chosen? You are a royal priesthood. You are a royal priest. You are a priest. A holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. We are the light in this dark world. We are priests. We are called to be a holy nation. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the physical manifestation of Christ, spiritual God. God is revealed through us. God reveals his goodness through you and I. Do people see the Christ in you? When they see you, they say, man, I want what you have. Because they see God or Jesus in us. Do we reveal his goodness? Do we show people about Christ? Are we good examples? We are the hands and feet of Jesus. When people see you, we should be setting the example. Just like Paul, he says, imitate me like as I imitate Christ. It's very important that we are ministering to other people. Every Christian is a minister. You minister first to your family, to your spouse, the people around you, to your co-workers. We are called to be ministers. My next point, every Christian is a full-time Christian. Huh? Full-time Christian. What does that mean? You're not just a Christian on Sunday. There's no such thing as Sunday Christians. We are Christians 24-7. Sometimes people change, you know? 
They act holy and pure on Sunday and then Monday comes or Tuesday or Wednesday and it changes. No. We're Christian at home as we are in church. We're Christians in public. We're Christians in our private lives. Okay? And we are Christians. But today, there are a lot of believers and not disciples. There are a lot of consumers, consumer Christians and not contributors. We are part of this body of Christ that will contribute to society, that will be a benefit to society. We are people who will exemplify and show who Christ is through our lives. We're not just consumers. We're not just people who attend church and leave, log in and log out, and then go back to our normal selves. No. And for us to become ministers, we have to become disciples, not just believers. See, Christianity is not a spectator sport. I was just watching recently um, Quarterback in Netflix, and I realized, you know, there's so many spectators watching a handful of players play the, the game of football. But Christianity is not a spectator sport. And I'd like to encourage you by showing you this next video. What we all want in life is a shot. But what we do with it, that's the story we all want to tell. You know, I've coached for 25 years and I've never experienced that, uh, you know, the emotional high of, of what happened. What happened for Jason McElwain, or J-Mac as his friends call him, is about more than a shot. Diagnosed with autism at two years old, now identified as highly functioning, He's never considered himself different or separate, especially when it comes to sports. Sports has always been, how could I say, his equalizer. He's like, just like any of the other kids out there. It's, it's not really a big deal at all. I'm just, I'm just normal like other people. It's the way I am. At five foot six, J-Mac didn't make the junior varsity basketball team at his high school, Greece Athena, near Rochester, New York. Instead, he became team manager, a role he now has for the varsity as a senior. In the last three years, in his white shirt and black tie, he's missed only one game. The one practice, I set up the clock and get the water in games and be enthusiastic. <laughs> as this season was wrapping up, Coach Johnson approached Jason with an idea about the Trojans' final home game of the season. I said, you know, I'm really going to look to try to get you in the game, but remember, I can't promise you that. And he goes, okay, coach. February 15th, Greece-Athena against Spencerport, senior night. With word out that Jason might play, the student section printed signs of J-Mac's face, just in case. And with 4.19 left in the game, with the Trojans up by 20, coach called down to the end of the bench for number 52. I just kind of turned and pointed at him, and uh, he almost ran right on the court. He was so excited. Hey, Jay, you got to check in. So he hits the buzzer, and he doesn't go anywhere. It's like, now you go on the court. You know, he was so he was so caught up in the moment. He came into the game. They all stood up, and they put the signs, or, you know, the pictures of him up, and I got really emotional. And I sat down and started to cry. With 3.46 left, Jason got the ball. 
when he missed that first three, I was like, oh, and then it airballed, and I was like, man, I really just want to see him score one time. I put my head in my hands like, dear God, please, let's just get him a basket. Then, with 3.12 left, another chance. That third trip down the court, magic. As soon as I started hitting my first shot, I just kept shooting, and I was just hot as a pistol. Shot after shot after shot kept going in. The basket was like this big old juice bucket, and uh, I was shooting them like they were free throws. It was just a big old huge bucket that's like huge. And I was like, Oh my God, is this really happening? He has more than more points than me, so he's got bragging rights over me. He was unstoppable for that moment in time. He was unstoppable. He comes down the court right at the end with like three seconds left and he hits this one that's, you know, probably like an NBA three. As soon as the gun ended, they stormed the court. You know? I couldn't, you know, I just couldn't dream anything like that. It felt like we won a championship. Everyone was just so happy for me. In that four minutes, 19 seconds, Jason was seven for 13, six of 10 from three-point range, 20 points in all. In his first and only varsity basketball game, J-Mac was the high scorer. Truly the most incredible moment I've ever had in coaching. I was so touched and um, it, it was just so special to me that a young man, his dream came true, you know and that I could help that, it was awesome. What we all want in life is a shot. J-Mac took his, and now it's a story we can all tell. Wow, that's amazing. You know, when I was watching that video, Jason McElwain, I realized God has given you so much potential. Just like Jason, he, he may be autistic. He was there encouraging the team, but he never played. He never played the game. He was watching people on the side. He was cheering for them. He was the water boy for the, for the team. He was there during practice, but he never played the game. And a lot of Christians are like that. They just watch a handful of players do the work of evangelism, do the work of ministry, but God is not calling us to be spectators. God wants us to be part of the game. So when Jason stepped in the game, you know, I had shivers watching him and you saw the video. He did the impossible. They were shocked. He was the top scorer for the game. And Jason is just like most Christians. They're not part of the game. God wants you to be in the game. He wants you to minister. He wants you to be a full-time Christian. Why? Because my next point is every Christian is called. Do you know that you're called? Some of my friends, I tell them, you know, pastor, I'm not called. No, you are. You know why? The word church comes from the word ecclesia, meaning the called out once. You already, the moment you receive Jesus Christ, that if you became a Christian, you're already called. You're called to minister. You're called to make disciples. So if you're a Christian and you've given your life to Christ, you have made him your Lord and Savior, 
You are called. There's a mission. You're already a missionary. You don't have to be earning from the church as a full-time pastor. You can be a businessman, but still be a full-time Christian. You can be a mom and be a full-time Christian. You can be, you know, a farmer and be a full-time Christian. We are all, as long as you're a Christian, you are called and you are all full-time. No one's going to reach the people in your office except you. The pastor can't. No one's going to reach your co-workers except you. No one can reach your relatives except you. You are called. You are called to that particular vocation that you're in. But what is the church? What is the church? It is the church is the fellowship of the believers. Let me say this. The original church is mentioned in the book of Acts. In Acts 2.42, it says, The people of God, the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. All of them were doing that. Everybody was filled with awe of the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, not some, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who's in need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts and in their homes. Every day, not just on a Sunday, every day. Wherever you go, the church is there. They broke bread in their homes. Wow, they had communion in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Church is 24-7, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, morning, noon, and nighttime. And they were enjoying the favor of everyone around them. That is the body of Christ, the believers. Not an activity that you go to on a Sunday. It's an everyday thing in your Bible studies, in your prayer time. The Bible says when two or more are gathered in His name, He is there. That's the church. And you know what happened? The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved because it was real. It wasn't just an activity. It wasn't a Sunday event. It was an everyday thing. And this is the plan of God. This is why there is church. Because the only way the, the body of Christ is going to grow is through you. The only way the gospel is going to spread all throughout the world is through the church. And my next point, every Christian is to become more like Christ. As you become more like Christ, the world will be attracted to you. As you become more like Christ, things are going to happen for you. Your relationship, your, your um, finances, you know, your personal life, everything is going to happen for you. As you become more like Christ. See, God's more concerned about who you become more than what you have accomplished. God is wanting you to become more like Him, more like Christ. And that's the goal of Christianity. That's our purpose, to honor Him, become like Him, right? And advance His kingdom through us, through you. But just as He is called you is, you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. I, God, am holy. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for others. God is calling us to serve others. He didn't come here to be served. You know, the more we serve others, the more people see Christ in our lives. The more we serve others, they would want to want to know Christ. And last verse, what, 
Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if, as if you're working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So why church? Because God is expecting us, his people, to be the one to spread the gospel, the good news about what he did for mankind.